This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Plato. In India and Pakistan, temperatures topped 120 degrees Fahrenheit earlier this spring and then stayed above 100 degrees for three consecutive months. Of course, you know that Europe is currently sizzling under similar temperatures, record-breaking in many countries. And as climate change continues, we're only going to see more heat waves like these, which is dangerous for human health, sure, but another concerning effect of deadly heat, plants, including food crops we depend on, have weaker immune systems when it's hotter, which means more diseases wiping out harvests. Worrisome on a warming planet, yes, but researchers are working on solutions. Research published in Nature last month offers one option, a gene editing solution to keep crops healthy even at high temperatures. With me is Dr. Senyung Hee, a professor of biology at Duke University and investigator at Howard Hughes Medical Institute and an author of this new research. Welcome to Science Friday, Dr. Hee. Thank you very much for having me on the show. You're welcome. Can you give us some plant immune systems 101 first? <laughs> sure. Plants actually have a very powerful immune system. Uh, it's actually similar to uh, a major branch of immune system that humans and some other uh, animals have. It's called innate immunity. Uh, what it is is that plants have these uh, immune receptors that can recognize all sorts of pathogens and insects, actually. And once that uh, recognition occurs, plants will produce defense hormones, including a hormone that um, in this study we uh, focus on quite a bit, salicylic acid. And so this hormone basically amplifies other cellular uh, immune responses to make plants resistant to pathogen and, and insect. Yeah, so plants don't have the antibody system that we have, but still plants have, you know, exist on Earth for hundreds of millions of years. So uh, much longer than humans, many animals. So I think the plant immune system is very powerful uh, against diseases. That immune, that immune response sounded a lot like aspirin. Yeah, yeah. Salicylic acid is actually a very uh, closely related compound. Aspirin, in fact, aspirin was invented based on the salicylic acid. You know, uh, old days, humans uh, uh, chew the uh, willow bark uh, that contained a lot of salicylic acid. That's where the aspirin was initially uh, discovered. And so we take aspirin, yeah, for a lot of human conditions, but plants actually make their own medicine. So when it gets hotter, do they produce more? of this or do they not and just wilt or get sick? So actually it turns out when it's hot, uh, the plants that used to the cold, cool weather condition, like Europe, you know, part of Asia or North America, uh, like a lot of vegetables or oil seeds, they actually don't like uh, hot temperature either. So they produce less salicylic acid. And because of that, the whole plant immune system is uh, kind of suppressed. And so they are more prone to uh, pathogens and insect attack. So are there any particular kinds of diseases that uh, might be most damaging? Yeah, so uh, salicylic acid control uh, plant immune response to a large group of pathogens we call biotrophic. These pathogens like living cells. Some insects also like living cells. So salicylic acid is really important for plant defense against these type of pathogens. Uh, aphids, for instance. And so these diseases are particularly uh, uh, controlled by salicylic acid. Mm -hmm. And what role does it play in temperature response? 
Um, it controls immune response. Uh, it doesn't control, you know, the uh, growth or flowering. And these are other issues that, you know, plant scientists are working very hard, try to uh, produce a new generation of so-called heat-tolerant crops that allow plants to grow in warmer, you know, uh, regions or hot weather. In fact, the breeders uh, normally focus on growth and fruits and, you know, flowering. Uh, but our research suggests that we should now pay attention to the plant immune system as well because it's very susceptible to uh, uh, warm temperature. You know, you can grow all the plants you want to if the immune system is not strong or resilient. And, you know, we're not going to get to the expected yield. So could we expect that climate change and, and global warming as it heats up is going to wipe out some food crops? That is a prediction. Actually, it's, we're very concerned about that. One reason is that, you know, a lot of crop plants don't flower at the time they're supposed to flower. You probably noticed that the spring is very warm. A lot of fruit trees flower really fast. And so then, uh, you know, a freezing temperature comes in to kill other uh, flowers. A lot of time you don't even have a fruit that year. And the same can happen for uh, food crops and vegetables, especially cool weather crops will have a series of challenges uh, going forward. And you've been working on genes, testing different genes for a potential solution using gene editing that lets plants keep making the chemicals they need to fight disease. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that's the uh, the main focus of the work. So once we find that salicylic acid is not producing enough, we want to know why, you know, why it's not producing enough. After many, many failed experiments, as you know, science like that, we uh, eventually realized that actually uh, a gene we call uh, CB60G, but it doesn't, it's not important. This gene actually functions as like an immune master switch. At warm temperature, it turns out, this gene is not turned on for some reason. And then, so once we figure out that, we basically did a repair experiment, modified a part of this gene to be temperature insensitive. So now the plant is able to switch on this master uh, immune genes and then make salicylic acid and other uh, defense systems allow plants to actually resist pathogen even at warm temperature. So I think this is the one solution Obviously, there's uh, additional solutions we and others exploring uh, to basically make plants resilient uh, to temperature so that they won't get sick. Amazing. Well, can you give me the range of plants that this gene might help? Yeah, so we only worked on a particular plant called Arabidopsis, okay? Now, not that important to remember the name, but this is like a lab rat for plant research. That's the old mustard plant, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of scientists want to use this one because it's a typical plant, obviously, has all the you know traits that it has. But uh, there's a lot of knowledge and uh, uh, resources available to make uh, a discovery fast. Uh, it is also relative of uh, vegetables we eat. So that's what we are working on. But you know, obviously, you want to know whether the phenomenon you discovered is also occurring in crop plants. Uh, fortunate to us, the gene. The, this, the immune master switch that we find is actually in all plants. So it's a pretty widespread. And we also tested the several crops like tomato, rice, uh, rapeseed. The salicylic acid uh, system is also compromised at warm temperature. So this is a pretty uh, pervasive uh, phenomenon in, in plants, including crop plants. How much of a difference did it make when you were able to turn on that master gene how much difference does, does it make in the plant 
fighting off all its enemies. Yeah, so uh, for instance, the plants around us work with usually about 20, 21, 23 degrees. That's what we normally do. We uh, increase temperature to five, you know, by five degrees to 28. So normally plants become really sick because the immune system is down. The uh, modified plants we have are able to fight as well as the normal plants would at the uh, lower temperature. So we haven't tested the limit of temperature we can go. In general, uh, uh, the, we and others really want plants to have this robust temperature resilience, not only in a new response, but also you know, setting the fruits and the flower time to be more resilient to temperature uh, differences. So we can grow crops not only in one location, but in all over the world, right? You know, right now you, you heard about the importation, transportation, a lot of political issues that make the uh, global food security an issue. Can you imagine that we can all grow food crop any way we want to? And that will really dramatically uh, uh, improve the condition we have. So that's what we're aiming for the, as a community of plant scientists. Can you, can you tweak up the system and, and amplify the immune system rather than just bring it back up to park and you strengthen it? Yeah, you can do this easily. Uh, we, we've done this in the laboratory, uh, you know, uh, we and others. The problem with that is uh, um, once you do that, uh, plants actually cannot deal with uh, perfectly because essentially there's a phenomenon called defense and growth trade-off. That if you devote too much energy to one thing, the other part of your system doesn't work very well. So you can hike up the uh, defense uh, very high or you know, all the time. Plants actually become very small. And so that's not good. That's not what we want, right? We want still a lot of fluids, you know, a lot of biomass. And so there's a balance we need to achieve. We need to make sure that defense only up when we need it to. Uh, and we need a level of defense that's just enough so that we don't want to divert energies from other part of the plant life that it needs to cover. Yeah, I know, because I know that herbicides work by getting the plant to grow too quickly and it kills the plant. So you don't want to do that. Uh, I mean, how should we be thinking about the role of GMOs in our food system? I mean, this is going to be a genetically modified plant. I know some people are uneasy about them, but won't we need to consume more GMOs in our future diets if we're going to fight climate change? Yeah, so uh, there are two answers to this. So our eventual goal is not to use GMO uh, to this very uh, early stage. What we want is really to find some alleles that are really uh, in the in nature and by uh, then introduce into the uh, cultivar, like what conventional breeding is. So the goal is not to uh, make GMO. However, as a scientist, uh, I know GMO is very safe. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably more safe than some of the natural food we eat. Uh, and uh, I think the public will eventually realize that GMO food is as safe as natural food. But again, you know, this is a, a debate that we're going to have for a long time. And uh, we should allow different opinions, uh, different choices. Again, the, the goal of the scientists is to find as natural uh, approach as we can, uh, but at the same time to... Uh, come up with more nutritious and safe and flavorful, affordable food uh, that we can all uh, eat or continue to eat, uh, even though we're going to live in a very hot and harsh climate. I'm Ira Plato. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Let's talk about the science here a bit. We talked about how temperatures impact the plant's immune system. What about all the other impacts of the climate crisis like drought, 
flooding, humidity. How might the plants fare against these? Yeah, yeah. What you want is to make a plant to be able to uh, resist, uh, you know, high temperature, drought, and high salinity. And these are all associated with climate change, uh, which uh, we should pursue that as a community, obviously. But in reality, you don't need to have a particular culture that resists to all kinds of uh, stress because we still grow plants, crop plants, in a regional basis. So in this region, you know, maybe the hot temperature is the main issue. In another region, like in California or something, you know, drought is a problem. So we need to create a, a library of uh, elite cultivars that can be grown in different places. And I think that's what we want to do. But yeah, drought, salinity uh, are major problems. While you're worrying about the health of the plants and, and something that you should be worrying about, what about the health of the soil in climate change and the climate crisis, the microbes, the microbiome in the soil? Yeah, the temperature and drought, especially salinity, has a huge uh, effect on microbiome, both the, you know, the kind of microbiome they're going to live there and how they actually function. Microbiome is such a critical component of plant health, so uh, affecting microbiome could indirectly affect plant health. Uh, this is called holobiome. You know, plants are not really just plant itself. It's actually living with the microbiome. And so microbiome can uh, be a solution uh, because a lot of times microbiome can actually uh, boost plant health and make plants more resilient to temperature and drought without actually our need to modify plant gen genome. So this is another non-GMO solution that we and others are looking at. So, that is, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's and crazy. Then, that's, that's terrific. It is crazy. It's very complex. And so it will take a while to figure out uh, like a probiotic for plants, for instance. And, and so, but uh, our colleagues, uh, my colleagues are working really hard on this. That's great. You know, we talked just a couple of weeks ago about the failures of wheat crops, both in the U.S. and globally this year. It seems like protecting food from climate change is increasingly urgent. I'm sure you would agree. When can we expect to see more temperature-resistant crops? When will you get some of your research to market, do you think? Right. So, you know, it, it, as a scientist, I don't want to speculate too precisely because a lot of things are out of our control. Uh, but we want to, you know, obviously bring this in if we are well-funded, uh, you know, to continue to work on this. Uh, uh, right now, the results are in the laboratory, but we want to uh, take this in the field testing will take a few years. I would say within 10 years or so, the technology should be ready, right? Uh, and whether how many you know, uh, farmers are going to use it. That's kind of another level of complexity that is not really uh, solvable by science alone. You have to have a policy change and think of all of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you know, we 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 do our best to bring the technology or the knowledge at least uh, to people that this is actually feasible uh, um, if we continue to invest. But you know, as worldwide, we need a. Uh, I always say a global Manhattan project where governments, you know, put in really a lot of funding because agriculture is going to be huge uh, critical issue for human survival. I mean, we're seeing it, as you said, climate change is here already. You need like a, you know, big consortium of people really dedicated to address this Manhattan project uh, level of uh, uh, effort to solve all these problems, temperature, drought, salinity, you know, uh, food security. I think this is the time to do it. 
Well, from your mouth to the world government's ears, I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Ira. Nice talking to you. Dr. Sen Young-hee, professor of biology at Duke University and investigator at Howard Hughes Medical Institute. And a special thanks to Mackenzie White, our AAAS fellow this summer, who produced this interview.